Hey, Michael Knowles here. The latest episode of Daily Wire Backstage, The Mask is Off, is around the corner. It seems like every time you check your newsfeed, it looks more and more like science fiction. Well, we will unpack all of it. Be sure to join me, Ben Shapiro, Andrew Clavin, Matt Walsh, and the God King, Jeremy Boring, as we discuss everything from John Cena groveling to the Chinese Communist Party to all the freaky alien videos the government keeps releasing. Do not miss it. <laughs> Nobody? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Daily Wire Backstage. The mask is off. I'm Jeremy Boring, known as the God King, lowercase g, lowercase k, and we are glad you've tuned in. Can Biden's daily regimen of Gatorade, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, and Flintstone vitamins really keep him in the tip-top cognitive shape we've come to expect? Is there a certain number of rockets fired by Hamas at Israeli citizens that would actually convince the left that they're on the, quote, wrong side of history because clearly 3,500 isn't the number? And when the UFOs playing peekaboo with our military do finally land, will John Cena apologize to our alien overlords for Hollywood's shame that is the last Jedi battlefield Earth and Howard the Duck? Let's hope he does the right thing in whatever language we all end up speaking. Roll intro graphic. Is there anything more shameful than that John Cena video apologizing in you know, Mandarin for calling the country of Taiwan? I want to say something. About actual malice struggle session. You know, it's I want to say something about this. Everybody, it's, it's fun to, to blame him, but it's universal. It's Universal Studios. No, I blame Studios. him. No, you blame Universal Studios. He's not doing that on his own. And Universal Studios is insisting on that because they made more money off this new uh, Fast F9. and Furious thing than in China than they're going to make here. That's his fault for going along with it, though. Well, That's okay, right. But, uh, Universal can tell him to do that. Yeah, he but, did it. But he's just a big face, you know, and, and he's fun to make fun of. And I'm not saying he's not to blame. I'm not saying yeah. we shouldn't make fun of him. I'm just saying that we should understand that this is, when those Hollywood people get up and they make speeches about how evil we are for voting for Donald Trump, when they they do all this stuff. They cut. They cut scenes of, of gay love out of movies for different countries. They're in- you heard it here. Andrew Clavin does not think John Cena did the wrong thing. The Daily Wire backstage <laughs> is sponsored by ExpressVPN. For peace of mind, whenever you go online, visit expressvpn.com/backstage. Joining me with all the correct opinions, Andrew, Ben Shapiro. <laughs> Andrew Clavin, Matt Walsh, <laughs> and Michael Knowles. We are so glad that you're joining us tonight. And we want to take just a quick moment to say, uh, if you want to get your question in, head on over to thedailywire.com and become a member. We take questions from our audience, particularly from our members when we do this show, because they are the reason we are able to do the show in the first place to get access uh, to the box where you can submit your questions. Go become a member, dailywire.com slash subscribe. You can even get 20% off your membership and get automatically entered to win a trip to our studio to meet Candace Owens and the rest of us. <laughs> All you have to do is use the code VIP. This is the last week you can enter to win, so hurry up before the opportunity slips sliding away. Dailywire.com slash subscribe. This thing's still going. I'm done. With it. <laughs> yeah, That's the wild. entire promo. You heard it here. You heard it here first. You be- code VIP and Andrew Clavin thinks that John Cena. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. That's basically the whole show. Does he have a deal with China too? Does yeah. he have a deal that we sell out? We take sell out. Guys, you know, these, this is Hollywood. It's, a whole, it's the whole industry. Yeah. Of course. You're Wait, talking- Hollywood are whores? What's that? Uh, Hollywood are whores. Wow. But you're talking about Hollywood who took the actual remake of Red Dawn. Yeah. And instead of it being the Chinese, 
a global superpower. Took the Taiwan patch off Tom Cruise. Uh, the Taiwan, I mean, come on. And it, it is unbelievable. It's unbelievable that they're making speeches to us while supporting these communist jackbooted oppressors. I'll, I'll do, I'll literally do one better. Putting I'll do one better. So yeah. it, is, it is the fault of, of Hollywood that they've decided. There are two things. One is doing business with China. The second is overtly kowtowing to, to China. Sure. They're not the same thing, right? Doing business with China, but saying that China is an authoritarian garbage state, which it is. I really don't see a huge problem. Well, we that. all do business with China because yeah. we live in a world. Like That's a lot right. of people like to complain sometimes that our leftist tears tumblers uh, for, are made in China. And I always think, are you writing this hate, hateful uh, comment to me on your iPhone, which was made in China, <laughs> or on your laptop, which was made in China, or on your desktop computer, which was made well, in so China? That, that, so my broader point is that if you really want to get to the root of the problem here, the root of the problem is that the West made the fundamental miscalculation mm -hmm. That if, it, that if it could get China to engage in market transactions, this would moderate China. And instead, it yeah. just made itself dependent on China via market transactions. And what should happen right. right now and what should have always happened is that the West should be economically isolating China. And that has to be an act of collective action because you can't have American products saying, okay, well, American manufacturers can't make in China, but we'll still import products from other manufacturers who are making in China and then undercutting right. them by 20% on the price. That's not going to work. There has to be an actual move by the government to prevent people from doing business in China in, if, in you fairness, actually wanna, if you actually want to hamstring the Chinese government. Absolutely. In fairness, uh, I don't think that it was a bad experiment. I don't think it was a bad notion that opening up China economically could have led to liberalization. It just didn't work out. It I just mean, didn't work you out. You know, uh, Joe Biden, so it's... We're probably not going to get much of this anytime soon because Joe Biden very famously, I think it was only about five years ago, said a rising China is good for everybody oh, and yeah. a rising China will lead to prosperity. For, and it just didn't happen. That was the argument for letting How much money did trade. his son make for his country? I know. There was, he waited for the check to clear before yeah, yeah. that happened. But that, that was the argument for letting China into the World Trade Organization. And what did China do? They started immediately. They start cheating. They start right. undercutting us. And they uh, obviously don't. But it's also, it's also the argument. It's also the argument Obama used in Iran. It's always the wrong argument that if we let these people into the community of nations, they will act as if they're part of the community of nations, as if they're not grown-ups with a philosophy of their own. They have a philosophy. That philosophy is what we're fighting. We're not fighting Chinese people. You know, we're yeah. fighting the philosophy. I guess of the what Chinese I would people. say though is that sometimes when I think about FDR, just for example, and obviously I disagree with every, almost every piece of FDR's domestic, in particular his domestic uh, policy as president. But I have a little bit of sympathy. I have a little bit of sympathy for like very early 20th century communists uh, mm -hmm. as well. Me too. So, yeah, so do I. And they didn't know. Right. That's right. I have absolutely no right. sympathy for modern day communists because you have a hundred years of oppression and mass murder yeah. uh, it, that you can look immediately to. And so we know that right. a lot of those ideas are bad. I'm not sure at the time that Nixon or Kissinger were opening well, up. There are also real politic concerns. I mean, the, the, the part of the argument was that opening China would, would make China more moderate. But the other part of it was take China off the table so they're not an ally to Russia, right? Mm -hmm. that, was, that was really the, the real policy concern involved in the opening of China. But the, the issue now is how do we shut down China? Because China right. is yeah. indeed a, an aggressive authoritarian enemy of the United States that is pursuing global power, threatening Taiwan. They just subjected the free state of Hong Kong and nobody cared to complete tyranny over the course of two years. Un unbelievable. So they just quickly, took it right so over. Yeah. It's the first reversal, total reversal for a free country since the end of the Cold War. Right. It's, it's an amazing, amazing thing that the world just did not give any craps at all. That's not fair. The NBA cared. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and so the, the, the real problem I see right now is now, what's, what's amazing right now is that now you have a unique opportunity for the West to mobilize in opposition to China. Why? Well, because we now have fairly good information that this 
yeah. this Wuhan virus probably started in the lab in Wuhan, right? Whoa, I mean, whoa, this whoa. Is, you're <laughs> coming to conspiracy. I, I want to know, are we going to get a video of Ben Shapiro saying, Hong Shai, Hong Kai, Kai, Hong Kai, 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 Yeah, start speaking Mandarin to apologize for all of this. But, yeah. the, but the, the, the reality that, that you know, the, this story was cudgeled to death for a year, right? If you, if you said this in social media, they would literally take yeah. you off of Twitter That's and off right. of Facebook because it was a conspiracy theory. It was fact-checked false by PolitiFact, yep. and they just had to reverse the fact-check because PolitiFact, of course, is a garbage partisan organization designed only to shut down conservative outlets. Yeah. Um, but like all fact-checkers. Pretty much. Uh, but the, like, this is such an opportunity for the United States and for the rest of the world to say, okay, so China did two things, both of which are unbelievably egregious and led to the deaths of millions of people. Right? Number one, this thing in all likelihood began through a gain-of-function research failure at a, at a Chinese laboratory, and it was allowed to escape the lab in November 2019, which brings you to the much bigger thing, because mistakes get made. The much bigger thing is that they then hid this all the way until the end of January. Yeah, right. right? Um, it, so to be fair, once the DNA sequencing on COVID-19 was released, within one weekend, the scientific community had created the vaccine. One weekend. By the end of the weekend, the mRNA vaccine sequencing was done. Literally, they released it at the beginning of the week, and by the following Sunday, everybody had, had sequenced the mRNA vaccine. Okay, and then it took all the way until November to get it ready for market. Okay, although, if you'd cut out all the middlemen and you'd really accelerated, maybe you're ready by September, October. And right? if there hadn't been a presidential election, election for sure by October, yeah, for 100%. Sure. But if this has started in November, say you use the exact same timeline, and they release the DNA sequencing on COVID-19 in November or December, and you push the entire timeline up by two months, how many lives get saved? That last wave happened yeah. in September, October, November. It killed like 200,000 people. I also have a question of this gain-of-function research that they claim makes it easier to study these viruses, but it also essentially weaponizes the virus. I mean, yeah. do we know what it, that the Wuhan lab is not sitting around making viruses for germ warfare? I mean, I, don't th I think we, we probably we have can, known can for suspect decades that, that that's what this. they're doing. Right. I mean, yeah. we, we in the United States have known we, for except, decades. Except for Anthony Fauci. <laughs> but I had a mask on and, and I was now, facing he, and the And now when Fauci is being caught, you know, Rand Paul is now accusing him of, of perjuring himself because Anthony Fauci said the yes. United States has not in any way funded gain-of-function research that was done in Wuhan. And Anthony Fauci very cleverly denied, and he said, we did not send any money to Wuhan for gain-of-function research, but we did fund gain-of-function research that was done yeah, in cooperation health. with Wuhan. Yeah. Exactly. I'm just, one thing I'm wondering uh, through all this is, first of all, what is gain-of-function research? But <laughs> secondly, I, when, when, you, when you look at um, the fact that for a year, we weren't allowed to talk about the, the lab in Wuhan, and now all of a sudden we can. I think the assumption among a lot of conservatives is that, uh, well, it's the media was covering for China. I think that's part of it. But I also think a bigger part of it is just that it was a common sense conclusion that anyone could draw once you realize this came from Wuhan. They have this lab there. Yeah. Gee, that's a coincidence. That COVID right. And yeah. there, there are so many common sense judgments that people have been making for a year that the media said, no, 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 hey, wait. Hold on a second. Wait for us to tell you you're allowed to draw that conclusion, right. and then you can. Uh, so now, yeah, you're allowed to talk about it, but just because they don't want regular people to go off on their own and thinking the, about and things. And the Washington Post, is, as much as said, we denied it because Trump said it. Right. They, yeah. they said well, basically. Well, Ma Ma Margaret, Margaret uh, Haberman. Uh, Haberman, Maggie Haberman, yep. she, said, she said that on national TV. She said, well, because Trump was talking about it, obviously we couldn't take it seriously. And it's like, well, <laughs> actually, that would mean that you should take some of those New York Times reporters and maybe, you know, go research this yep. sort of thing. You don't but have to take the president for, at face value. You could go check it. Right. <laughs> yeah. but, the, but the thing that's truly amazing is that why isn't the Biden administration taking this opportunity? Right. I mean, literally half a million people died in the United States of COVID-19. 
Like, why isn't he taking the opportunity to say, okay, now is the time for us to crack down on China? By the way, there's wide bipartisan approval for this. If you look in the polling, whether Democrats and Republicans are kind of, this is like the only thing we agree on is that China is an actual threat and that China screwed the pooch on COVID. And the fact that Biden instead is saying, well, you know, let's let the WHO do their investigation and we don't need an independent investigation. We don't need to put any pressure. Like, this is the, we were told, if you because remember- of what Michael said. Because Biden believes that a rising China is they're right. He yeah. still holds not, this view. They're not by, bad by people, the folks. They're not bad people. It's it's not even just that Biden's not taking this seriously. He's impeding the investigation. Yes. There there was a State Department investigation launched under the Trump Pompeo, administration, yep. and Blinken, the new Secretary of State, shut it down when he got into office. Well, they, this is a hallmark of their entire foreign policy, right? Which is never let the facts get in the way of your ideology. But it's also right. also the, the the racial stuff just makes it impossible, I think, for modern day Democrats. That's why we've we've, even, we've heard some people in the media saying, and they deleted some of the tweets, but saying that of course it's racist. They were saying that for a year, but some are still saying it's racist. The New York Times reporter China. today who tweeted right just that, yeah. just today. So so the fact that Chinese people are not white is a big political problem for for Joe Biden and the Democrats. I think it, in some ways it's as simple as that. That you know I'm, this came from a place where these are not white people, this, and so it's this is getting very offensive. I was in Washington's D.C.'s Chinatown the other day, and there's a big lit poster, an electric poster, telling us not to hate a- Asian people. I'm beginning to be offended by these signs telling me not to hate people. I, you know, it's like, yeah. first of all, screw you. Who the hell are you to tell I'll me? I'll hate what, whoever what I want. Yeah, no. Like, no, but I will hate whoever I want. And, <laughs> and why? what makes them think this country that has been so welcoming to Everybody it has been so welcoming to everybody needs a lecture from corporate toadies who are doing business with the Chinese and, and doing business to the point where they won't criticize them. Why Why are they lecturing me? Anybody who can afford that way, sign put, shouldn't be lecturing me. Put a me. sign about right. how we shouldn't hate Asian people up at the Harvard admittance. Uh, uh, right, right. That's yeah, that belongs. Yeah. This is a question from a dailywire.com subscriber for the group. If the Wuhan virus was man-made, how should the U.S. respond? Not how will they, which is not at all. How should they respond? <laughs> Well, I mean, it, it, the really the, the big question isn't whether it was man-made. It was whether the leak was was the responsibility of the lab, right. and whether they then covered that up for months, right? Because without without the cover up, you even there you would understand. Okay, this is the stand, right? Something escapes a military facility. It's not the first time this sort of thing has happened before, actually. Um, but once it starts getting covered up, that's the real moral responsibility because they knew for months for sure, one hundred percent, that this thing was transmitting human to human. They were lying about their casualty statistics. They knew 30,000 right. people probably died in Wuhan. They said 3,000 people died in Wuhan. What should the punishment be? The punishment should be, punishment should be massive economic sanctions against any company that is based in China. I mean, that should be like take on the entire economic regime of the Chinese. It's, what's amazing to me is that the Biden administration is willing to sacrifice the American economy so that we can blow out the dollar by borrowing money from China, essentially. Right. But if you are actually going to make economic sacrifices, you should do so for perhaps the higher purpose of getting rid of the authoritarian regime in China, which is threatening all of its neighbors and threatening the, yeah. the freedom of the United States eventually, because we can lose this thing by default. That's the part that I'm afraid of. Is you know, that- this, is, this is why I don't think it's the worst idea in the world for there to be a union of democracies. You know, instead of a United Nations, which I think we should walk out of tomorrow, mm-hmm. if not yesterday, I think this should be a union of actual free peoples that, that can Agreed. stand together against threats like this. You know, one of the things I thought Trump did that was was reckless was when he got rid of that Asian, you know, the United States partnership. Thing, because we we do need to act together against a, a threat TPP like had problems with it, it, but this was a big mistake. He should. Yeah. TPP was specifically no. He had designed. legitimate problems too. But yeah, but no, still. I, I agree. There yeah. were there were certainly yeah. problems with the TPP. It gave too much power to international institutions. Yeah. But 
it should have been corrected in the same way that Trump tried to correct NAFTA, and right? I do not think it would be a terrible thing to have an international union of democracies. I think this is this is the thing. We keep talking about globalism as if it's, it's somehow going to go away. It's a global world. It's a global world. I can pick up my, take the phone out of my pocket and call Afghanistan yeah. and, and get put directly through. It's a global world. We need to unite the people who actually believe that the people should rule. But is the issue here that we want instant regime change in China? Or is the issue that we want to contain China and stop them from uh, aggressing on Taiwan, aggressing in Hong Kong, aggressing on our interests in the South China Sea, aggressing on us uh, economically? We have to cut off their leverage. Right right now, they have way too much leverage over America's ability to operate, whether it is through the number of of American treasuries they hold, or whether it is over the number of American businesses who are doing serious business. The property they steal. Yes, I do want uh, a regime change in China. But if you're asking me if I want some sort of military regime change yeah. or some sort of instantaneous regime change. No, but I think that if you're a if you love the idea of human freedom, then your long-term objective would be to see China liberated from Absolutely. this mess that they've made or this yeah. as, long as, as long as as long as it's not going to cost me $5 more for my iPhone. And, right, exactly. Forget the whole thing. <laughs> and and here but, but, and the thing is that we have the model of this, right? The, the United States did not engage in large scale large-scale trade with the Soviet Union in the middle right. of the Cold That's War. Right. The United States basically cut them off at the knees economically yeah. Yeah. and then we outcompeted them because their system was not capable I actually, of functioning. I do want to push back on that though because I, I I think what you just said reinforces a bad idea out there that that people have even on the right about how economics work. Your iPhone is not $5 cheaper because it's manufactured in China. Your iPhone exists at all because it's manufactured well, in China. Yeah, that, that's true, but that shouldn't be true. That I agree that it true. shouldn't okay. be true, but it is true because yeah. it isn't just that it's cheaper in China. Uh, it's that in America, you can not yeah. manufacture at that's the right. rate of no, innovation but, I mean, you can, because, you because can. of things like uh, uh, environmental regulations, because of uh, all of the uh, just all of the rules that no, impede trade. The, the, the precious, the precious minerals that they use to make this stuff. We we have those available, and you can't get out oh, of them here. And this, is, but this is something that needs to be addressed. That actually, when you're saving the environment, which is not in any trouble, really, you know, yeah. which is not a, not a crisis at all, you are enslaving people, and you're making it easier to enslave people. Well, we've outsourced so all this, of our pollution at the world countries. Right. Yeah, I was. Uh, I, I my my I was in the car recently with my son. He was, he was peppering me with all these questions about how different things are made. And of course, you know, as a parent, you realize how stupid you are. I can't answer most of them. But <laughs> at one point, he asked me, how long did it take to build the Empire State Building, which was built 90 years ago or so? And uh, so I thought, you know, okay, maybe 10 years or something. It's like six days. Yeah. And I looked it, and, and I looked <laughs> really? it up. And so, so, I, so I said, okay, let's look it up. And it was built in a year. Yep. Yeah. And of course, you, you try to build the Empire State Building today. I mean, look at, at, the, uh, the, at the building Center. that replaced the World Trade Center. It took, them, it took them 15 years to even get, even get started. They've been doing the big um, dig in Boston since. Ted yeah. Kennedy was right. wandering around leaving women in rivers. Right. And that's that's back when you wanted to build a building. You just built the building. But now it would take five years to even get the permits to, to even yeah. start. So exactly right. Uh, what you need to do while you're trying to figure out, well, if everything is going terribly, what what should I do? What can I do, Jeremy? You can go to Policy Genius. <laughs> uh, and you need to go to Policy Genius. We laugh. I, I like to have fun with the ad reads. Uh, but you have a responsibility to the people in your life. Uh, what will happen if you are gone and unable to care for them? The answer is you need a life insurance policy. Like all other kinds of insurance, you need to be a responsible adult and make sure that you are insured against the worst possible outcomes. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare quotes from over a dozen top insurers all in one place. Why compare? Because comparing lets you save. You can save 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes at Policy Genius. The licensed experts at Policy Genius work for you, not the insurance companies, so you can trust them to help navigate every step of the shopping and buying process. That kind of service has earned Policy Genius a five-star rating 
across thousands of reviews on Trustpilot and on Google. And from me, I've told you guys before, I've gotten three life insurance policies uh, on PolicyGenius.com. One for myself to, to provide for my wife and for my child in the event of my, I, I shouldn't say the unlikely event, it's the very likely event of my untimely demise. One on my wife. Uh, because, uh, you know, she also has responsibilities to our child. And the most important one is the one that I carry on Ben Shapiro. Yeah. <laughs> Head to PolicyGenius.com. Get started right now. PolicyGenius, when it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. It's even more nice to do the right thing. PolicyGenius.com. You, okay. you forgot the one you took out on Knowles because of the murder plot. Ooh, maybe <laughs> Wait, I, maybe hold I on a second. <laughs> that can be evidence. <laughs> the problem with getting uh, a life insurance policy that would... Give me the kind of confidence it would take to murder Knowles. Is that he would have to have a medical exam first, and there's not even PolicyGenius.com. No, he would he'd be gone. Could never. Yeah, yeah no. That's, Deal no, with all of this. It's too healthy. It's Deal with all of this. China bad. Another thing going on in the world that's been bad since the last time we were together is this horrible conflict going on in the Middle East. Uh, Hamas deciding to fire 3,500 rockets into yeah, 4,500. Yep. Indiscriminately into Israel and Israel. Uh, responding the way that any first world power would, which is with very expensive, very technological, very directed, but very lethal uh, force. Um, and to see the reaction both in, in the news media and in the left politics in this country has just been unbelievable. I, I want to talk about it for a little bit. You know, someone uh, this week, uh, our very own Candace Owens, made this great point. She said, you know, there are people on uh, the left who are sending me pictures of, of dead Palestinians, children even, saying, you know, if you don't speak out against this, then you don't deserve to have your platform. And there are people on the right who are saying, you know, if you don't stand up for Israel, you don't deserve to have a platform. And Candace rightly said, we can't all be experts on everything all the time. She said, I'm reading books about this. I'm trying to get educated. She has a history of doing this on other issues in the past where she doesn't want to speak out until she really knows. And I appreciate that. Uh, at the same time, I don't think that one has to be an expert to understand uh, the immorality of firing rockets indiscriminately into civilian areas. It seems to me that what the what the left has been saying during this conflict is essentially because Israel is better at war than the Palestinians. Yeah, Israel is evil, which a makes me understand why we do so badly uh, in wars in this country. If fifty percent of Americans actually think that the purpose of war is equal. Destruction. Yeah. Uh, well, no, we need equity. It's equity and <laughs> equity and warfare is what we're looking for. Equitable outcome. Equitable outcome in, in warfare. Um, but essentially, they're saying Israel would be a lot better if more Jews died in these conflicts. Well, right? Israel, Israel is also the West, and they they yes. seriously hate the West. It, it, right. it is it is amazing to me. I read on the air Hamas's charter, which is just a series of anti-Jewish filth. They blame them for the French Revolution. I'm not making this up. I, I wish I were making this up. They blame Jews for the French Revolution. They blame Jews for World War I. They blame Jews for World War II, their clever plan to exterminate themselves in order to take over the world. I don't know what that was about. But, they, you know, this is the kind of stuff... They that, quote the Hadiths about Jews hiding behind rocks and trees it, it, and Muslims is, being called to kill them. It is everything, everything but the blood libel is in it, but I'm sure they would believe in the blood libel too. Surely, surely, if somebody tells you you know, my philosophy is that I believe Jews should be exterminated because of this. We should believe them. We should believe that this is a, a, a genocidal terrorist movement that was elected, was duly elected by the Palestinian people. Somewhere along the line that has to be addressed. And somewhere along the line it has to be addressed that the Jewish state is the freest 
uh, most multicultural, most successful state in the Middle East and should be imitated. The thing that drives me about this, and it goes yeah. back to what you were saying, it, go, it goes back to what you were saying about no, uh, no policy result is going to change their philosophy. Right. The, the Iranian deal by Obama, one of the great disasters of his administration, was overturned by Donald Trump, and he instituted the first actual advance in Middle East peace that I have seen in my lifetime, which now goes back to 1776, right? Yeah. So this is the first time I ever saw anybody do anything, just a little bit of a change in, in the strategy of going into the Middle East. They have gone directly back to the Iranian deal. I mean, to, yeah. and when you bring this terrorist state, the Iran... Iran is a terrorist state. When you bring it back into the center of power in the Middle East, you encourage all the bad actors to climb on board. They're the ones who are funding Hamas. They're the ones who are sending them the missiles. It is, it's just incredible to me that no fact can penetrate their ideology. So to, give, to give a, a two-minute synopsis for people who don't know the modern origins of this particular conflict, first of all, what Do Drew's, not go back to the Exodus. I definitely <laughs> will. I have a video coming out that's like a full hour going all the way back to the Exodus. But, no joke, but the... But the, the what, what Drew says about Hamas is not only correct, the fact is that what just happened over the past few months, what, what actually drove this, what started this, is that in late April, Mahmoud Abbas is the head of the Palestinian Authority. He's currently in the 16th year of a four-year elected four year. term because uh, the last election in the Palestinian Authority was held in 2005. Uh, so he's now, you know, 85 Kind of like our 15 old. days. Kind of like 15 days. days to slow the spread. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So he, he was elected. So he, he won in the West Bank in very contentious circumstances. Then Hamas won the next year in the Gaza Strip. So he called another election because the Biden administration said, we would love to see you guys do an election. So he called an election and then he looked at the polling and he realized he was going to lose to Hamas because Hamas right now rules the Gaza Strip and they're at war, literal war, like people killing each other with the Palestinian Authority and Islamic Jihad. So he called these elections and then he canceled the elections in late April. He said, oh, you know what? Bad idea. No more elections. And yeah. so in order to distract Palestinians from the fact that he had just canceled an election that would have allowed him to be replaced in power, he decided to launch essentially a terror campaign against Israel. He started posting videos on Fatah TV about how it was good to stab Jews. He started encouraging Fatah members to go up to the Temple Mount and fling rocks and projectiles at Israeli police to start a conflagration on the Temple Mount that could then be treated as though it was a mutual conflict on the Temple Mount. And he started propagandizing about what was happening in Sheikh Jarrah, which is a suburb of Jerusalem. There's a 50-year, literally 50-year legal case that has been winding its way through the courts about, I kid you not, four houses. These four houses were basically owned by Jews before 1948. Jordan won this territory between 48 and 67. They handed deeds over to a bunch of Arabs in that, in that area. Israel respected the deeds that were handed over, but there were four houses where Jordan hadn't handed over the deeds. So the Jews came back in, in 67 after they won. And they said, okay, well, now these houses, we have the title, it's our house. The courts came up with the solution. You guys pay rent and you get to stay. The Palestinians didn't pay rent for 50 years. And so finally the Jews were like, well, you didn't pay rent, so we're evicting you. That was the eviction crisis. Yeah. Four houses in Sheikh Jarrah. Okay, there are 1.9 million Israeli Arabs living in the state of Israel. So when people talk about ethnic cleansing or moving people out, there are 1.9 million Arabs living in Israel. There are zero Jews living in Gaza. There are zero Jews living under the Palestinian Authority. There's only one apartheid regime in this particular conflict, and it is not Israel by any stretch of the imagination. Hamas had to get in on the business. Once Fatah started the conflict in order to generate more publicity for themselves, Hamas couldn't be left out. Now it's a party, right? So they start firing rockets at Israel in order to not be left out and to outflank Fatah. And you can see, by the way, all of this play out after the ceasefire was signed. There's this big, the riots on the Temple Mount have continued. In Al-Aqsa Mosque, you have thousands of Muslims who have gathered, and they, they actually shouted out the Grand Mufti of Jerusalem, who's a Fatah member, a member of Mahmoud Abbas's party, they shouted him out, shouting, we are Muhammad Daif's men, meaning we, Muhammad Daif is the spiritual leader of Hamas. We are, we are with Hamas. 
So all of this is basically just an internal Palestinian conflict that was then projected outward at the Israelis. And the Israelis were like, okay, listen, thank God for Iron Dome. We can prevent 90% of these projectiles from hitting Israelis. But we're going to have to take out like a bunch of your stuff. When we say that any state did what Israel would have done, that's not true. Any state that was hit with 4,500 rockets in the middle of, for example, its capital city or Tel Aviv or Washington, D.C. or New York, let me put this, of 1,000 rockets at San Diego, which is not a top 10 American city in terms of population, the American flag would be flying in Mexico City by tomorrow morning. And we all know this. I also wonder from just the perspective of the American interest, I think there are plenty of good moral arguments to be made about the, mm-hmm. the problem itself in Israel and Palestinian Arabs. But just from the American interest, I'm confused as to how it would serve the American interest to back Hamas or to back the national <laughs> pretensions of a people that would elect Hamas. When people say Hamas doesn't represent the Palestinians, Hamas does, in fact, represent the Palestinians. Yeah. Hamas won an Definition. election. They're about to win another. Yeah. So I just don't understand. I, I suppose the argument would be that uh, Israel, you know, relatively young nation, that's the big problem. And so we've got to give more power to the Palestinian Arabs who are calling for, by the way, from the river to the sea, Palestine, to be free. So they're calling for the eradication of Israel. Does anyone believe that that is a tenable, taking the moral arguments aside, that that's a tenable thing? You're going to wipe out a nuclear power that the world would tolerate that? That doesn't seem like such a good idea. So now we're going to back Hamas? You know what's heartbreaking about this? When I I was a a kid, we were really not that far from the Holocaust. And I I used to call us, I actually wrote this, that we were holiday Jews. We were taking a holiday from a history, a, a relentless history of anti-Semitism. I mean, the nonstop hatred of the Jewish people that has been, really been going on before the year dot, as they say in England. It's been going on forever. We had this holiday, and the holiday's over, and it's heartbreaking. Mm. It is yeah. heartbreaking mm. to see Jewish, ordinary Jewish people attacked on the street, and no one says as, as, as with all word. racism in America, we all lived in this beautiful period yeah, this yes. right, where it wasn't happening, yes. and now it's back. I do want to pick up, though, briefly on what Michael is bringing up, because there are a lot of uh, voices on the right today uh, that call into question our relationship with Israel, some, some very ugly voices. I, I think it's important to say that when we, I, I'm very critical of the America First movement, there are, there are two distinct America First movements. Yeah, there's, there's Lindbergh's. No. <laughs> well, there's, there's Trump who uses America First to mean that America must put America's interest ahead of other interests. And then there's the America First movement, uh, which is online jolly uh, right-wing trolls who actually are racist and actually do despise the state of Israel and actually do want an American, uh, a, a white ethno state in this country. It's unfortunate because they're sophisticated online trolls, that they've used the language of Donald Trump's, hey, wouldn't it just be nice if we put America's interest ahead of uh, other interests? But they have. And so when I'm critical of America first, I'm not being critical of Donald Trump. I'm being critical of the people. First who, of all, Donald Trump was the most pro-Israel president. Yes, pro-Israel. Yes, 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 exactly right. Israel, right, yeah. But you do have this America first movement, this internet America first movement, uh, but, but the, very, very hostile to Israel. And, yeah. and they they say a lot of things. You know, they they're angry about the bombing of the USS Liberty uh, <laughs> in 1967. I used to get this, uh, people uh, ask me that question. Yeah. They're like, really? You know? yeah. they, they apparently haven't heard that, you know, England burned at the actual <laughs> White House during the War of 1812. You know, why can't Israel be? Well, allies don't ever get mad at each other. Anyway. Uh, but, and, I, but I sort of think, like, you're right. There is this distinction. In the str- yes. As with all these terms, they're used in lots of different ways. But let's let's take it totally seriously for a second. Let's say sure. this is a, just from the American interest point of view. This is where I'm going. Right. Yes. The, le, the claim, I guess, is that it is in the American interest to ditch Israel, that we've got to sort of 
Israel first foreign policy. And, you know, like so many of these online movements, first of all, you got to remember, a lot of these guys are very, very young. A lot of them are pushed to the fringes. A lot of them are told you're evil because you're a white person or you're a man or whatever. So like I was young once. I remember the sort of (laughs) crazy extreme things 18 year olds say. But but what does that mean? I mean, just just because you're reacting, it's like, you know, when we're told that men are evil, Take Israel out of it for a yep. We're told men are evil. One way that men react when they're 18 years old and they're just so sick and tired of this is they become sort of performatively sexist or chauvin or misogynistic right. or whatever. That's not the answer, right? That's just sort of the flip side of the coin. So I think, sure, if someone, if if these guys are, are saying, we're, we've been told our whole lives that Israel is the greatest ally of the United States ever in the history of the world, and now we found out it's only like a fine ally, but it's not like the greatest one ever. I think... <laughs> Well, okay. So your answer is to back Hamas? Well, what I, are you talking about? I, I think just to take up a little bit for, for, for them, not really, but um, I think obviously from, from a moral standpoint, morally, it's clear. And, and all you have to do is apply like just war theory to this. And, uh, you know, one thing in, in waging a just war is, first of all, there has to be a chance of success. And when you have Hamas just firing rockets randomly into civilian centers, it, nothing's going to happen from that except that you kill a bunch of civilians, maybe, and then get uh, destroyed yourself. So but at the same time, I think one thing, the people that you're talking about, one thing that uh, annoys them is when they see, I think, I don't remember who tweeted. Someone tweeted something like, if you're an American patriot, it means you're pro-Israel or something like that. Yeah. Um, right. th- this, this idea that like, it is your patriotic duty to have this particular feeling about another country, no matter what the other country is. I don't care what country it is. Um, so that that goes too far on that side of it. And I think they're kind of reacting. It's kind of what you're saying. Yep. They're reacting to that. I do think um, so I, I do so think that I, there is something patriotic about supporting our allies because we form alliances because it's in our national interest to form alliances. And having formed those alliances, and and if we're all operating in a kind of good faith where those alliances are concerned, then there is a kind of patriotic. Yeah, but you don't have a but you, don't, you, you don't have a patriotic agree. you don't have a patriotic <laughs> du- you do not have a patriotic duty to, to support, support any Turkey. country Turkey that is not your own. Well, it's, I, so, I, so I will say that that I think that what that statement is missing is the the phrase at the end right now. Okay, so I don't think that you have a patriotic duty to eternally support any other country because circumstances change. The country, I mean, how many times have we seen alliances change and people end up right. on the other side of those alliances? But the the idea that in a conflict between a democratic ally and an actual terror group, mm-hmm. that it, that it doesn't connect to any sort of, we're not talking about nationalism now, which is just attachment to country. We're talking about patriotism, which goes to underlying principle, that you have no duty at all to, to support a fellow democracy that is an ally in its own battle for survival. That seems to me to, to raise some the, patriotism principles the in the same way that would raise patriotism principles to say that if Hitler were about to overrun Britain, people who are saying, well, you know what, it, it, it doesn't implicate the United States at all, or patriotism at all, to watch Hitler overrun Britain. And it seems like it kind of implicates patriotism to watch Hitler overrun Britain. But you know, the other side of this is that no matter who does this, it helps the left, whether the right does it or whether the left does That's it. Right. It's, the same, it's the same thing with blacks. If, if the left so encourages black violence in cities that some white people start to say, well, those blacks are being violent, that all helps the left. They want us fighting with each other. Yeah. They want us fighting with our fellow citizens. They want us to hate people who are different than us. They want, and they don't care. They don't care if the, they inspire blacks to have hostility against white people. But if that then inspires white people to have hostilities against black, they don't care because we're fighting with each other instead of fighting with the people who are usurping power from the people. And that's, that is all happening at the top. That's always happening at the top. It's, it's, I, 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 I sort of am even 
uh, kind of of your opinion, Matt, to, to give, give the critics here even more of, of the benefit of the doubt just to make the realpolitik argument, which is, you know, dur- during Trump, we were told that we had to back the Kurds. The Kurds are our greatest ally. The Kurds are the most wonderful people in the world. And Turkey was aggressing against the Kurds. But this creates a problem is Turkey has been a NATO ally for how many decades at this point? So now do we reflexively back our ally Turkey in this battle with the Kurds? I don't know. That raised a lot of problems on the right. So I understand there are nuances. Well, but, we, but we should have. We are no longer allies of Turkey. And the fact that we, the fact that we are uh, unprepared to move with haste to, to address the changing realities that have been refers to. And, and this and this context is completely different in the sense that we were never allies of Hamas. The, the, well, there, there's of, no world in which we are allied with Hamas. This is sort of my point, is I right. just mean, you know, granting that, that people are just rebelling in this very, I think, emotional and reactionary way against these sort of extreme statements that we, you know, it's your patriotic duty to be an ally of Israel or something, to just say, look, in this case, we just should back Israel. <laughs> you know, also, it, it, Israel's it, the better party. I, I can't you know. even understand the principled argument. I'll give people this. Yeah. I can't even understand the principled argument that the United States should just be hands off completely in terms of foreign policy. I think it's wrong. Yeah, but I, I think that. I but I can understand the complete isolationist argument. Why are we involved anywhere in the world? Right. I think that it's an ignorant argument that's based on a failure to understand the realities of the world, which is that vacuums exist and that bad states fill them if we leave those vacuums open, which is the yeah. lesson of the last century and a half. Yeah. But if it, but I, I can at least understand that argument. What I cannot understand is the situational application of that argument. Yes, yeah. Right, which is, okay, well, we should be involved here and we should be involved there, but this particular one, yeah. we should definitely <laughs> yeah. not be involved this, in, and I have yeah. real objections when, to these Jews when people firing, say, firing, you know, at, at right. Hamas batteries that are located in civilian areas to protect themselves. Like, I've, I've heard people this week say, you know, if Israel, you know, Israel might be our ally, but why are we giving them military aid? We, you know, England is our ally and we don't give them military aid. It's like, well, no, the, the last time... England was in a war. Now we did give them. Not only did we give them military aid, we gave them a significant percentage of our GDP. And then when things got bad enough, we gave them hundreds of thousands of our sons. And then when it was over, we gave them the Marshall Plan and rebuilt their entire continent. It's it's important to, I think, with a conversation like this to get really specific. Because one one, one of the issues here is that there are so many things caught up in it. So we could talk about what's in America's interest to support Israel. What's 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 the morally what right, the, 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 the morality of it? But then also, there there are other things that get caught up in this. Like for example, evangelical um, conservatives yeah. tend to also believe that it's our religious yeah. duty. We're biblically called to support Israel, and that, and that brings in a whole other aspect of the conversation. And then you have people that kind of react against that and are saying, "Well, no, we don't." You know, I think it's a misinterpretation of Christian doctrine, and the, you know. Yeah. So I think we have to you have to be really specific. In this conversation. Here's one place where I think that we should all be able to agree. And frankly, I think that people of any level of good heart should be able to agree. In a conflict between a thriving, diverse democracy that upholds humanitarian values and an actual honest-to-God genocidal terror group, that's not a moral choice. Whatever you think are the practical applications as to whether the United States should be involved or should provide aid or any of that sort of stuff, on a moral level, the New York Times is specifically saying that Israel is in the wrong, that Israel should not be defending itself. Right, you have them literally printing op-eds from people who are activists for Hamas, yeah. downplaying the evils of Hamas. You have the entire Democratic Party right now. By the right way, now that, that's how I that know he, that it's morally right to right, support Israel. <laughs> yeah. You have the entire Democratic Party right now basically covering for the open anti-Semitism of Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar, who spread blood libel. When they say that Israel is targeting Palestinian children, that is just an abject lie. Israel has, has been participating in the most pinpointed attacks of any military I have ever seen, including the United States military. They are dropping Rashida, knock bombs. Rashida, on the Tlaib, t- is, Rashida Tlaib is saying this fight 
is not just in Israel. It is the fight against for all minorities everywhere. Which, by the way, is Jean- why you're seeing Palestinian activists go to Jewish areas yes. in the United States. Yeah. And protests there. If you thought this was a foreign policy problem, why are the protests not happening in Washington, yeah. D.C.? No, why last, aren't they happening next to the congressional? Last night, they're, they're, they're not. They're, they're, going, they're going down to a restaurant they're go- a quarter mile away. They're going, they're going down to Brooklyn and they're yeah, beating Jews in the streets. Yeah. Or they're going down to areas in, in Miami where there are lots of Jews who live there. So, and they're driving through in trucks with Palestinian flags on the back. Are those the policymakers? <laughs> no, these are the... I'm sorry, that's the Nazis marching through Skokie. But, you know, Jeremy makes a great point here. I can't believe I said that. Okay, <laughs> I need to wash my mouth out with soap. Jeremy makes a great point, which is... If you are not an expert on the past, uh, I don't know, what, 3,000, 4,000 years of this conflict in the Middle East, there is a rule of thumb. I know we're not supposed to appeal to authority, but when I see AOC and Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib and Bernie Sanders. And the when, New York Times. And the New York Times and CNN and just all of them lined up on one side of the issue, I'm going to have to go in on the other side. And maybe my opinion will change as I learn more, but I think it's a good rule of that's thumb. A, that's a very reasonable judgment. I mean, really, especially Rashida Tlaib, these people are really vile, evil. Yes. I don't think we can emphasize that enough. It's not, and, just, it's not a New political York, disagreement. The New York Times is too, by the way. The New York yeah. Times, which supported Castro, which supported Che, which, yeah. support, which supported Stalin. Which mm-hmm. su- like, yes, these are bad people. And when they're all uniformly agreeing... Don't wear your mask. The New York Times printed a graphic today that was such an abject lie. It was a graphic depicting the state of Israel, but it said Palestine across it, and then it showed how Palestine was shrinking. Okay? Yeah, this, I, I this, saw that. This graphic yeah. is so bad. Yeah, in 2015, yeah. when MSNBC ran it, they had to issue an overt apology saying yeah. that this was an anti-factual map. The New York Times ran it today. I mean, like the, the media are so all but, in but on I, this, it's insane. But other than the moral and other than the political, I also do want to address this sort of idea on the right that America first means that we are somehow completely disengaged in the world. And it doesn't. We have alliances. We give aid because we believe, maybe sometimes inaccurately, but because we believe it is in our interest to do so. We have to, we want to uh, uh, contain openly hostile powers like Iran and North Korea. We want to constrain uh, rival powers like Russia and China. We want to incent economic activity around the globe, which is in uh, America's interest. Those are the reasons. Now, you may disagree with specific examples of us doing this. Uh, I I disagree with specific examples of us doing this. But the idea that we're just a piggy bank charity out there giving people money because it's great. When you hear people say we're not the world's policemen, they're usually denying that there's any American interest that exists outside of our own borders. I think that that's a complete mistake. That's never been true. We We have interests and you have to pursue your national interest in a very messy world with shifting alliances, with shifting realities on the ground. Again, I'm not, I'm not saying that any individual conversation is out of line. Israel itself, a nation that I, that I am very fond of, uh, has its own national interests. And Israel's national interests will not always in every Sometimes it's in conflict with Correct. the American That's right. Align with America's interests. Being allies doesn't mean that we're in you know, some sort of perfectly symbiotic relationship. Isn't, huh? isn't there a problem with, with, with the foreign aid thing? And I, I agree situationally. Uh, we have allies and we should support them in situations. My issue with foreign aid as a concept, no matter what country we're talking about, is that this is American taxpayer money you're taking from American families. Yeah. And you're giving it to a foreign government. And those American families have absolutely no say over what happens with the money. They do not directly benefit from it anyway. And uh, they also don't know what happens. You, you, you know, the American families sitting around their dinner table, that money comes from is, them. It goes to the First of all, government. this is true of, all ta- of almost all taxes. Uh, that you don't get a direct say well, what, right, happens, but it's, what happens with the money, and you don't really know what happens with most of it. I don't agree that you don't get a direct benefit uh, from some foreign aid. You you get 
you don't get a direct benefit from some domestic spending. There's a lot of domestic spending oh. that they take your tax money and you get no direct benefit. Some of it's in contravention uh, of your interest. <laughs> but there is, there is an interest in spreading America's influence around the world. So one thing that has given us the wonders of America's uh, 20th, the American century, the 20th century, is that America essentially controls the waterways of the entire earth. And that's a remarkable thing that exists and has allowed us to have huge advances in technology, huge economic uh, advances. You have that in part because of an expression of America's military might and in part an expression of America's economic might and in part because America has crowded out rivals who would break parts of that off and keep us from being able to access it if they could. And a lot of Americans, listen, sometimes you just give charity. There's an earthquake in some country and we decide we want to help them out. A lot of our aid, though, the majority of our aid is about keeping influence in strategic places around the and, country where if we don't, China will. And of course, that's true. Will. I mean, the, the, the notion in the United States seems to be that foreign aid is a form of charity. That is right. certainly not the notion in China. That's right. right? China does not give a crap about charity. That's right? Right. This is not a charitable democracy. This is a country that has used its Belt and Road program as a way to bootstrap itself into influence in a variety of countries around the world. Russia's doing the same thing. So, again, you can make the argument that you don't care. Right? That's okay. You can make that argument that you don't care if China expands its sphere of influence or you didn't care if the Russians do it or you didn't care even back when it was the USSR and the USSR was expanding its sphere of influence. But that begs a, a further question, which is what do you think America's role in foreign policy ought to be? Right. If you think that America's role in foreign policy is that we stay within our own borders and only when somebody knocks over a tower in New York do we respond and militarize. Well, that is one view of foreign policy. I think that it's a very short-sighted view of foreign policy, and I think that it, le it leads to a, a much more difficult world for the United States to navigate with a lot fewer allies available for us to fight back against some of the worst people on earth. But you, you, what exactly do people think is the fundamental role of American foreign policy? Yeah. I guess I would, all, with, with foreign aid, I would say, um, I think, again, going back to American families that have to, this is, this is you know, this money is coming from people, from us. Sure. Uh, I think you should be able to give a really specific answer. Like, we're going to take this money, we're going to give it to this government, for a specific reason. I think, I think the families who are taking the money from have a, have, a, have a right to know specifically what is this money going to. And I'm not saying there can never be a good reason, but you should be able to give a specific reason. And I think when you, when, when you are giving billions and billions every single year to countries across the world, and the answer is American influence, uh, I, that's just not quite specific enough. Yeah. Um, but I would, I would only argue that foreign aid is a very small part of the budget. And that most of what we steal people's money for and do in contravention of their interests actually happens domestically. And what bothers me about this sort of America first argument there for sure. is that quite often they say, we don't need to be giving our money overseas. We need to be taking care of our own right here at home. And I go, no, for God's sake, give all the money overseas rather than continuing to prop up huge socialist spending programs at home that actually do take away my freedom far more than just not only take away my money, but also constrain my freedom. We'll talk a little bit more about this. First, I want to talk about our friends over at ExpressVPN. You don't need me to tell you that people are that big tech is clamping down on freedom of speech everywhere that isn't apparently Ron DeSantis, governed by Ron DeSantis. Those are the only places <laughs> where big tech isn't clamping down on free speech. You should have the right to express yourself freely online, but unfortunately, big tech has a monopoly on what you can say, and they've opted for silencing tactics and censorships to fight back on big tech's control of the internet. I use ExpressVPN. When you use ExpressVPN, the app on your computer or your phone, you anonymize much of your online presence by hiding your IP address. That makes your activity a whole lot more difficult to trace, and it makes selling your information to advertisers even more difficult still. 
What's more, ExpressVPN encrypts 100% of your network data to protect you from eavesdroppers and from cyber criminals. You have an obligation to yourself. You have an obligation to your family to protect your data. We live in a digital age. You have absolutely no idea the power that you're giving to these companies uh, when you loosely let them have access unnecessarily to your data. Revoke big tech's right to your data. Secure your internet with a VPN that I trust for online protection. Visit expressvpn.com backstage. That's expressvpn.com backstage. You'll get three extra months free with this exclusive link. Go to expressvpn.com backstage right now to learn more. Expressvpn.com backstage. That's right. We got our own promo code backstage. Uh, you know, you know what strikes me about me, this at, at the at the heart of kind of this disagreement over projecting American strength abroad. And I don't just mean a disagreement among mm-hmm. us. I mean, among the American people and among the right too. I understand one argument, one sort of more novel argument against projecting American strength abroad, which is some years ago, there was broad consensus on what it meant to project American strength abroad. The American, truth, justice, and the American right. way. The American cultural exportation around the world, right? There was, we were broadly in agreement and in support of that. But that largely Christian, you know, unique, but American kind of version of that has fallen away into this broad global liberal empire. And so I think there are a lot of people who say, why, I'm all for projecting American influence abroad, but I don't want to promote transgenderism in Namibia. That's not the where I want my <laughs> I tax wanna, dollars going. But I also don't want them flying Black Lives Matter flags at American yeah, oh my embassies. God. Exactly. Not exactly. I think none of us think we shouldn't have embassies. Right, but that the is the influence that the government, that's being pushed. The fact that our government is out of control, that it's unconstrained, that it is in no way limited, that it believes that what it needs to be promulgating around the globe and at home is socialism and leftism and critical race theory and yep. uh, this incredibly anti-Christian uh, modernist worldview. I agree that all of that needs to be fought. And to the extent that you say that we need more transparency in how the government spends our money, I agree with that. But there's an attitude on the right that's what I'm kind of pushing back again. Well, the, the, the question is to, you know, you mentioned when we say that what we're getting in return is American influence. That's been true of all American foreign interventions ever. Yes. I mean, true, of, like including wars. Right. What were, what were the American interests that were threatened when the Soviets threatened to take over Berlin? And we participate in the Berlin Airlift, which was an act of foreign aid, right? I mean, we actually flew supplies yeah. into Berlin to maintain Berlin as a free city. Yeah. Why exactly did we bother doing that? The Soviets could have just taken Berlin. We didn't rule it. Didn't have anything to do with us. It was very far away across the water. Right. And that's been true of literally all projections of American power ever. So the answer was always that American influence is important because we understand that the, uh, the opposite of American influence is not a vacuum. The opposite of American influence is very bad people increasing their own sphere of influence and then using that sphere of influence in order to threaten true American interests. So to take an example in the Middle East, for example, if Israel were to disappear tomorrow, what that would mean is that authoritarian states would take probably they'd threaten control of the Suez Canal. We saw the Suez Canal blocked recently by a giant shipping container, right? And that giant ship basically cut off all world trade <laughs> for a significant period of time. Yeah, like the gas lines in the United States. Right. And if, if the if the Straits of Hormuz are cut off. Oil supplies falter. If the South China Sea falls to complete Chinese domination, then the shipping of products. But, those, but these are specific. You're giving specific cases of this is what America needs to do in this particular situation for this reason, which is great. Um, and, you know, I, I'm sure I could pull up on my phone a list of all the countries we're giving aid to, how much money we're giving. And I, and I suspect that if I were to do that, I'm going to find dozens that equals billions of dollars where... There's not going to be necessarily that really specific right. and I'm not, I'm not answer. In, so that's but, my but The, that's the my question answer. is whether you're in disagreement with the general concept. That's right. That's why I say what I'm, pushing, the, what I'm pushing yeah. back again is an attitude, not right. specifics. 
So if you're suggesting that government should be more efficient, that we should be more strategic with what we do and don't do, of course I agree with I, that. I, just just the, idea, the, the idea of the, of the government, of our government, sort of in perpetuity having all these other, other governments on the dole, um, that's, what, that's what I'm pushing Well, I mean, back Japan's been on the dole for, what, some 80 years with American military presence in Japan, and thank God for that. Yeah, I mean, some and, of them need to be on the dole for and, a while. <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm kind of amazed. <laughs> I would say something controversial because I only come to the show to try and give Ben a heart attack before <laughs> I have one. Uh, <laughs> but but I, I'm kind of amazed we could have this entire conversation about Israel without really talking about the Jews, without yeah. actually talking about the fact that the Jews are special. This is the thing that anti-Semites get right. They get yeah. right. They think the Jews are special because they're evil. That's crap. But but the Jews are special. They're special in our history. They're special in our religion. Matt was talking about the evangelicals. I think the evangelicals have a point. You know, this, these are the people with, with the Athenian Greeks who basically inform everything we think and believe. And there are no Athenian Greeks. There are, you know, the right. Athenian Greeks are gone. But the Jews aren't. And that's a really important fact. When one of the things the left is really objecting to is that this is a Jewish state and that offends them because it is racially specific. But the world has proved that it can't tolerate Jews unless they have a state. If Jews don't have a state, they will, they'll be killed and chased from pillar to post. And so it seems important to me that someone stands up and says, you know, these these people are important because they're us. They're, they're some way the source of who we are, and we need to defend them and their values. One of the amazing things that happens when you're in Israel, and you've been in Israel a lot more than I have, but... Oh, just, yeah, I've only been three times, actually. Okay, well, I, I was there, and I opened the newspaper and re read the editorials, and the, the fineness of the ethical and moral conversation that was going on in their newspapers made me embarrassed for our newspapers. I mean, we have a good op-ed section in the Wall Street Journal that James Toron Toronto should win the Pulitzer Prize. Yeah, There's yeah. nothing like the ordinary editorials that are going on in an uh, Israeli newspaper because they're Jews. And they say it in the things, well, wait, you know, other countries could do that. But we can't because we're Jews. I mean, what, what they did in this war is something that Israel has, has long-term tahara haneshek, right, which means purity of arms. They literally write it into the military code, this, this attempt to prevent civilian casualties. Again, I point out the fact that everybody's saying, look at that wild disproportion between the number of people who died in Gaza and the number of people who died in Israel. Yes, Israel fired massive ordnance into Gaza and only killed 200-odd people after experiencing 4,500 rockets fired at it. But th there's something else. There, there is an underlying idea, and this has taken root mostly on the left, but a little bit on, on, on the right. And that is the idea that the world would be a more peaceful place if Israel ceased to exist. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and you can see this in, in the way that so many people on the radical left actually talk about the state of Israel. Right? The idea is that, yeah. the, because first it was, Israel has to have a two-state solution because if there's no two-state solution, we can't solve all the problems in the Middle East. Now you're starting to see people openly say, well, maybe there shouldn't be a two-state solution. Maybe there should be a one-state solution in which the Israeli Jewish demographic majority just disappears and it just becomes uh, a complete one-state which, of course, means that, that the Jewish state ends. Well, the, the notion that seems to be out there is that anti-Semitism, and this is being really pushed by the media right now, anti-Semitism, right, and this, this headline right here is it, right, from Michelle Goldberg, attacks on Jews over Israel are a gift to the right. The basic idea here is that when, when it comes to anti-Semitism, that anti-Semitism is an outgrowth of anti-Zionism. Right, that, 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 or rather, of Zionism. If it were not for the state of Israel, anti-Semitism would just disappear, which ignores all of human history between 136 CE and 1948. <laughs> right? It's a lot of intervening history right there. Yeah. The same people who are beating Jews on the streets with poles in Brooklyn yeah. are shouting at them that they're only beating them because of Israel. And it's like a random Jew in Brooklyn. Yeah. I, I have a feeling that's not true. Yeah. I have a feeling that, that if Israel didn't exist, there would be a lot more Jews who are yeah. getting well, beaten. You know, when, when, when Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world, he, 
He was talking to the Jews. He was talking specifically to the Jews. God doesn't break those covenants, you know, that, that's still in place. And when we look at these people, we're seeing where our ethics come from, where our ideas come from. One of the great evidences, by the way, for that's the why they of hate the them. Bible, yeah. uh, to me, for the, for the truth of the New Testament, sorry, Ben, uh, <laughs> is that the it's New- You're complimenting my folks, so continue. The, the New Testament posits uh, that in the future, there will be a, that there will be an Israel. And Christians believe that. They, they believe that the Bible is true. It's very hard for, I'm fascinated by this notion that it's almost impossible for us to ever separate ourselves from this moment. And that, that connection to this moment really blinds us to the experiences of almost all humans across all time. And it's a fun, a fun thing. Maybe we'll talk about it on this or a future episode more generally. But specific to the topic at hand, imagine, we, it's easy for us to imagine being Christians and thinking that in the future there's Israel. Because there's Israel. But for almost 2,000 years, every single Christian who ever lived, like the vast majority of time that there has been Christianity, Christians had to believe in that future, and there was no yeah. Israel. The you, you talk about the Athenian Greeks. The reemergence of Israel in the land that God gave to the Jews is a quirk of human history that has absolutely no corollary <laughs> two th almost 1,800 years later. No people has ever been scattered from their home, continued to exist, and then come back into possession of that Strange, home eh? across 1,800 years. <laughs> Odd, what? Yeah. <laughs> another, another strange thing about the Jews, if I may, yeah. is, to, uh, you know, uh, one of the criticisms is... They're, that they control the weather. That they control the weather, for goodness sake. <laughs> I mean, that laser, weird, right? Top yeah. three weird things about the Jews. Yeah, Space the, lasers. Space lasers. lasers. Yeah. Very peculiar. But, you know, they're, they're, one of the, the arguments against uh, the United States support of Israel is... You know, I don't even think it's particularly, uh, I hate to call it an argument, but one of the impulses is to say, well, it's just Jews, you know, who are in positions of power in the government. And there are plenty of Jews in positions of power in the government, and they're, they're really behind this whole thing. But then I couldn't help but notice, Ben, when you were reading that headline, it was by, uh, what was Michelle that name? Goldberg. Michelle Goldberg. It's not an Italian name. It's not an Irish name. <laughs> yeah. It's in the New York Times. Well, plenty Bernie of Jews work for the New York Times. Bernie. So, you know, that's a bit strange, isn't it, that so many American Jews seem very anti-Israel. I will say you bring up the evangelical support of Israel, and I, I'm, Drew and I are the two potentially evangelical. I don't think either one of us is truly in the category of evangelical, but the closest evangelicals on the panel. Uh, I don't support Israel because of a belief that uh, the Bible commands me to support Israel. Mm -hmm. That's not part of my... Uh, I do think that uh, that I have a kinship with the people of the Bible, with the Jews. Uh, I think that um, we share common history, we share common ethics, not the exact same ethics, the Judeo-Christian worldview, that some that term yeah, makes people right, mad right. because Christians and Jews believe very different things yeah. in places. <laughs> right. Yes, of course. Saying Judeo-Christian doesn't mean I believe Jews and Christians believe the same things. It means I believe that there's a, a foundational framework uh, that we share. Right, book that takes one. On, book one, we share, <laughs> that takes on distinct characteristics. But all of that to say, uh, the existence of the state of Israel today actually convinces me that it's not up to my support. God doesn't need me to support Israel. <laughs> if he decides there's going to be an Israel, there's going to be an Israel. Uh, and as an American, what I'm more concerned with is who should I support? With whom do I share values? Uh, God doesn't need much from me. He's God. He's, he's the uppercase GK. Uh, I am but a lowly <laughs> lowercase GK. And so my support of Israel is premised completely on that shared set of values, completely on a shared set of interests. I believe national interests, and I believe ideological interests. 
that really is the limit of my. So you don't feel biblically compelled. I I do. I feel biblically biblically compelled uh, both through commands from the Bible and through the values that I've derived from the the Bible or the beliefs that I've derived from the Bible uh, to support uh, to support in a broad sense the Jewish people. But that doesn't mean if the Jewish people are wrong that God wants me to say that they're right. All right. So as an example, if Israel had gone into uh, the Gaza Strip and started rounding up people like the Germans did in the 30s and putting them uh, into ghettos or or rounding them up like they did in the 40s and putting them onto boxcars, I would tell you that this was wrong. I wouldn't feel like, I don't know, the... Yeah, they're killing. They're indiscriminately killing Palestinians. But God does say, "Be nice to the Jews." <laughs> of course, I wouldn't take that position. Right. But, I, but I, nobody, I th- nobody ever said that Germany should cease to exist. I mean, that, this is the thing: the only, yeah. the only country on earth, literally the only country on earth that has to argue for its right to exist, is the Jew, but, is the Jewish it, state, also, and that that is biblical. It's also worth noting here that when we talk about you know foreign aid to Israel, particularly in this context, a lot of that foreign aid is going for the Iron Dome. Okay, if yep. you are a believer that Palestinians should not be mistreated. You should thank God every single day for the Iron Dome. Yeah. Because That's if it were right. not for the Iron Dome, Israel would have eviscerated the place. Right. And everybody understands this. Yeah. Right? The fact that, that 90% of the rockets being shot from the Gaza Strip were shot down by this miraculous technology that is located in all of the population centers of Israel, that you can fire... For, I mean, the simple statement that 4,500 rockets were fired at civilian areas and 12 people died is a demonstration of just how effective the system is. If those rockets had all hit in civilian areas and killed hundreds or thousands of Jews, there would Israel be no would... Hamas. Hamas would not exist anymore. And also the, the, the idea that, well, if you get rid of Israel, then the Middle East is a peaceful place is, of course, absurd yeah. because, first of all, these Islamic groups are killing each other anyway. They're going to continue to do it. I think with the, with the biblical thing, it, it doesn't bother me. You know, evangelicals that feel spiritually inclined to take this position it doesn't bother me at all. Um, I, I do think my theological difference with them, which doesn't sound like this is your position, but the idea that our salvation is still somehow tied to a particular geographic place, or even worse, to a to a government, um, is no, I completely uh, agree with you. you know, that that to me is a, a yeah, problem because I, we, I agree with that. Yeah, we know that now it's it, that that's the whole idea. It's universal. Again, Go we, preach to again, all nations. Salvation has existed from a Christian point of view for the Since past two thousand years, yeah, yeah. and for eighteen hundred of right. those, there was no uh, state of Israel, and there was no particular government. And so it just wouldn't. I I almost reject any theological notion that requires you to live in a specific time in a specific place in order for it to be true. And so tying salvation to support yeah. of Israel, yeah. I would just see as another one of those. No, I, I, but, you know, I, I do wonder, too, if some of the recent uptick against Israel, or, or let's rephrase it, in defense of, say, the Palestinian Arabs, is actually caused by radical leftism. Because 100%. for, for oh, yeah. much of my young life, right, certainly since 9-11, there has been this sense on the right that the, the Muslims are out to get us. You know, they've been, and there have been uh, Muslim incursions on Western Christendom for roughly, oh, 14 centuries now. So obviously there's historical precedent for this. But I, I think a lot of people are looking now and they're saying, well, you know, I, I don't think I exactly want to live under Sharia. You know, look, I don't want to live under Hamas or anything like that. But there is a sense among not these insane radical extremist Muslims, but among Muslims more broadly, that at least we're we can talk about God, right? We talk about how Judaism, you know, sort of writes the first book, and then uh, then uh, you get Christianity, and from that there is this derivation. Let's not forget, Islam is the product of an encounter between Muhammad and a, and a heretical Christian monk, and this is not even disputed by Muslims. And so there is obviously a lot of commonality there. And when you look at the radical left, which says God doesn't exist, boys can really become girls, we need to kill the babies, we need to do this all for 
freedom or something. And then you look over at the Muslim world, which has different answers than we do, but they still recognize that God exists, that there is a moral order, these sorts of things. I think that might explain a little bit of the rapprochement you've seen in the last I, I, four or five years. I completely years. agree with that. I think there's more connection between the transgender mania and the hatred of Jews than anything else. Absolutely. Yes, no yeah, really. About, you know, well, yeah. I mean, one T- of the things- Today. Today. Yeah, yeah today. But <laughs> it's sort of like, you know, Jesus says, I, I've told you guys this before, that Jesus says they'll hate you for my namesake. Yeah. And anytime I meet some Christian and people are mad at him, they always say, well, you know, the Bible told us that they'd hate us for his namesake. And I said, no, 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 they hate you because you're an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> they would hate you for his namesake if it ever came down to it. <laughs> they so got easier. Yeah. And it's the same with the Jews today. But, that yes, today they hate the Jews because of leftism. I agree with that. I, I honestly, but they've always hated them for something. I, I honestly <laughs> think that the most important point was actually the one that, that Jeremy made at the very beginning, which is that most of the conversation around this is not, circulated around what Hamas believes. Because if you had that conversation, then this moral conversation would be over, right? Hamas is a terrorist group that believes in genocide. So end of story. What it has circulated instead around is a particular leftist point of view, which is that power is inherently evil and corrupt and that the powerless are inherently victimized. Yes. And and so you see BLM tweeting out, I mean, and they said this in the BLM manifesto that they were, they were in favor of Palestine. You thought to yourself, what in the world did these two things have to do with each other? But you see Rashida Tlaib saying it's the same conflict that black people are having with police in the United States and Palestinians yeah. are having yeah. with Jews in the Middle East. And, and it's just a matter of power imbalances. What this really is about for the left and the reason why they are covering for anti-Semitism at this point is yeah. because they share a lot of the basic principles of anti-Semitism. A lot of the, the left's point of view, the hard left's point of view, is a conspiracy theory about how power works. Yep. The intersectional hierarchy... All the systems of power are geared toward the most powerful. And so, therefore, if you are powerful, it is because you sit at the top of the hierarchy. In order to achieve equity, these hierarchies must be torn down. Now you look to the Middle East and you say, okay, look, here's this very powerful, small, tiny Jewish state. And then you see these Palestinians and they're living in privation and horror. And you don't look to, okay, maybe they're doing that because terrorist groups run them. Instead, it becomes, well, the people who are really doing well over there, they must be the ones who are responsible for all of this. And then you obfuscate in order to, in order to, conceal basically what's going on. They'll say things like, well, it really is a color thing. First of all, that demonstrates such unbelievable ignorance of what Jews are that it's almost beyond the pale. Number one, Jews are not white. Number two, the Jews in Israel are super not white. Like if you've ever been to Israel, over 50% of the population is from Arabic countries, right? Like my, my wife's family, they're entirely from Morocco. Right, all of their ethnic yes, derivation. They, they participate in whiteness. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, Whatever that means, yeah, right. that's they what they're doing. They participate in whiteness. whiteness. And, what, and what the left means by they participate in whiteness is they are successful under the current system, and the current system needs to fall. And so yeah. when when they and so this is why you I see. I don't know, Ben. I, I wish it was as rational as this. If all they were doing trying to do is attack power centers, I'd almost have some sympathy for them. But I think yeah. they have ter- overturned the moral order. Yeah, just going. Yeah. They're just going up the line to anybody who has the mor- who has morals. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, we've talked about China, we've talked about Israel. You may be wondering, when are we going to talk about America around here? We're not. <laughs> but we're going to go even further afield mm-hmm. and talk about that Final time. Frontier. Yep, finally. But before that, <laughs> I want to tell you about all the time you could save by not going to the post office. I, <laughs> as aforementioned, am but a lowly lowercase God King. Uh, I am not omniscient. I'm not omnipotent. Yeah. I can't be in all places at once. And I did not spin time itself into existence with my spoken word. And as a result, I am an impatient... You've son. been lying to us all this time. <laughs> and there's a lot of false advertising in the title. I'm going to grant you. If you're still going to the post office, you are wasting your time. I was wasting my time. 
for many years because I did not know about our friends at Stamps.com. Don't pay full price for postage. Go to Stamps.com, and you don't have to do either of them anymore. You can mail and ship anytime, anywhere, right from your computer. Send letters, ship packages, pay less, a lot less, with discounted rates from the USPS, UPS, and more. Stamps.com saves businesses like ours thousands of hours and tons of money every year. Here at Daily Wire, we've used Stamps.com since 2017. No more wasting our time. And back in 2017, there were very few of us, so it was quite often (laughs) my time. Now, if we had to go to the post office, it wouldn't so much Mm -hmm. be my problem, but it still saves us a ton of money. Simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send. Once your mail is ready, just schedule a pickup or drop it off. It's that simple. With Stamps.com, you get discounts up to 40% off post office rates and up to 66% off UPS shipping rates. Not to mention, Stamps.com is a fraction of the cost of those expensive uh, postage meters. Stamps.com is a no-brainer. It saves you time. It saves you money. You want to go because you owe yourself your time. You owe your business your time. You owe your family your time. You owe me a little bit of your money. Go over. uh, (laughs) Stop wasting your time by going to the post post office and instead go to Stamps.com. No risk. With promo code BACKSTAGE, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage, and a digital scale. No long-term commitments, no contracts. Stamps.com. Click on the little microphone at the top of the homepage. Type in backstage at stamps.com. Promo code backstage. Never go to the post office again. Because where we're going to go, my (laughs) friends, out there, (laughs) somewhere. (laughs) Obviously, earth-shaking news. Yes. Coming out of the Pentagon on 60 Minutes this last week. Matt's been covering the story since long before 60 Minutes got in on the action. Mm -hmm. There are unidentified aerial phenomena being observed by United States military aircraft. Apparently, it's happening with uh, some uh, frequency. Our former uh, Senate Majority Leader, the Right Honorable Harry (laughs) Reid, and that's how you know it's true. The Right Honorable Harry (laughs) Reid became very concerned about this, uh, and because of him and others in the government, uh, a task force was formed within the Pentagon to track these unidentified aerial phenomena, or as you may know them, unidentified flying objects. Objet. And now we're starting to see a lot of gun cam footage, a lot of sensor footage, Mm. a lot of radar footage coming from uh, military aircraft, primarily F-18s, things that are flying over the water. And the question I have for the panel is... Look at that, come on. Are we alone (laughs) or are geese... Just getting super fast. <laughs> 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 can, can I, can I just, just to open this up, I believe I'm the only alien-believing American on the no, panel tonight. I'm, 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 okay, I'm so, well, you haven't committed yet, but I, committed. I, I am the representative of our people and culture. <laughs> right, yeah. And I, I do feel marginalized and, and, frankly, unsafe sometimes in, the, in this workspace. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Um, but so just I think there, there are two things here. Okay, first of all, obviously we don't know exactly what that is or what those things are. And in order to, to, to come up with any kind of like probability that it's aliens, we need some background information that we don't have. Um, like, for example, we need to know, are there aliens in the universe? Mm-hmm. And how many such civilizations are there? And where are they? And what sort of technology do they have? We don't know any of that. But what that, what that tells us, first of all, is that you can't just rule out, you can't basically rule out as a possibility or even as a plausible possibility that those are aliens. Because for all we know, now, if... If we're the only intelligent civilization, even just in the galaxy, then that's definitely not an alien. Mm-hmm. Um, but if there are, if there's intelligent civilizations in all of our surrounding solar systems, let's just say, or in, the, in some of the nearest ones, then the probability goes up. So we don't know that at all. So, so we kind of have to put that to the side. And then we just look at that. 
And now we have to say to ourselves, what you know, the we've hell been, is we've, that? Yeah, we, we've been hearing these UFO reports for a long time, for decades, really. And I think the objection that a lot of people had, including myself, is that we said, well, if, if there were actual UFOs, like alien spaceships in the sky, then we should get better evidence. Than, why is it always a farmer in Kansas that sees them? It's kind of like Bigfoot. You know, the only person that sees Bigfoot is someone who has a camera from like the, 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 the battlefield reporter at Antietam had. <laughs> you know? um, so why is that always the case with aliens? And that was always my objection until in the last few years, we're getting trained observers up close. There were, there were four Navy pilots who observed one of these things up close, four of them. For five minutes, they watched it. And corroborating their testimony... We have radar data and video of that one thing, this tic-tac-shaped thing that was flying around, breaking the, you know, the, the speed of sound and doing things that seem physically impossible. So that's exactly the kind of evidence that for decades we said, well, if, alien, if, if they were really UFOs, we should have that evidence. Now it's here. And so um, I, I feel like that should at least get us to reassess our original Mickey, assumption. I hate to pour water on this, okay? I've got a, f- a couple other theories beyond the Martians. One is that this is foreign technology. Now you say, we've never seen technology like this. Right. I said it's foreign technology. Now there's another possibility. Maybe it's our own technology. But Michael, you say, (laughs) the government says that it's not. I know the government would never lie to you. I know the government's always totally above board, but maybe it is our technology. Maybe this whole PR campaign is a bit of a fake out to our adversaries. But let's say it's not. Let's say we have no clue what that is up in the sky. Do the aliens exist on other planets. Is there intelligent life? I'll go even further. Is there life at all on other planets? The one argument that drives me the craziest is this one. They say, Michael, it's just, it's just probable. It's just probability. The universe is a gazillion light years across. It's so big. So it's just probable that there is life somewhere else. And I say, you know, to ascertain a probability, you need to know literally anything about the subject that you're talking about. <laughs> and when it comes to the origins of life, we, there are a few, there are actually, I don't know, six or seven main hypotheses. There's the Miller-Urey hypothesis of the primordial soup. This was in the 50s, but the experiment didn't work out that well because they didn't have the right chemicals. Then there was the clay hypothesis that there are actually these crystal structures within clay that could form the basis of sort of organizing genetic information. But there's really no way to describe how it goes from that to nucleotides, right? So that kind of fell apart. Then there's the idea that it was actually formed in the sub, sub-oceanic vents. Then there's an idea that it was uh, actually the opposite. It was film, uh, formed underneath frozen oceans. Then there's this idea that it came here from Martians, you know, from outer space, which only pushes the question off and says, well, how the hell did life form there? My point is, in modernity, we're told we're not, we're not special. We not, look, there's probably a zillion other of us. And my only point is, maybe that's true. But we have no evidence. We have no reason to believe that, is, that we're not special. This but, is my whole, my whole approach to this. Is, you know, the philosopher Wittgenstein, who may have been an alien, yeah. said of that which we cannot speak, we must remain silent. And the philosopher Clavin says, that which we don't know, we don't know. Yeah. And, and this is the thing. You know, the arguments against the aliens always take the form of, well, would aliens do this? Or would aliens do that? How the hell do we know? Yeah. First of all, if anybody who has the technology to send actual objects across the galaxy to us is is in another sphere than we are. The things that they do may seem illogical to us and may be logical, but even more so, they may be stupid. They may be incredibly technological proficient and stupid. We we can build phones. So like teenagers. We can yeah. exactly. <laughs> right. We can build we can build phones where we can talk across the the uh, the planet 
and we still elected AOC to Congress. We, you know, you've been doing incredibly stupid things. So they may be coming down here with these Tic Tacs from outer space and building little rock <laughs> statues. And you say, well, would they do that? How the hell do we know? You know? So all I would say is we now have information, which I, this is where I agree with Walsh. We now have information, which we said nobody ha- had. And all the people who were conspiracy theories and it was zone, whatever it was, 50, what is it, two in Nevada? Zone, no, Area, Area 51. 51. Area 51. You know, we now have these pictures of things that are really interesting, really different, worth stopping for a minute and saying, gee, what is that? And I, the point you make is actually really important. We don't know how life began. We don't know whether we are, in fact, the special thing that happened on this one planet or if this is something that would yeah, happen you- on any planet uh, uh, near, you know, equally distant from a star. I, I read your piece that you wrote, which I found incredibly o- offensive and hateful. <laughs> uh, where you said, yeah, well, that's, th- yeah. there's, no, there's no reason the to believe that aliens exist, right? Yes. That was your, yeah, yeah, that's the headline. But you, you could easily flip that around and say, there's absolutely exactly. no reason to believe they don't exactly. exist. When you, when you live in a universe <laughs> with trillions and trillions and trillions of planets, and we have seen, we have visited none of them, and we've sent, <laughs> we've sent probes to a few, but we've, we've actually visited none of them, to sit here and... and it, it seems to me the prob- it is a probability thing. Like, well, this is, there is my no, problem. So it's, my me, issue hold on a second. Is, yes. it's, it's like walking in, to me, it's like walking into a, to a 50-bedroom mansion. Uh-huh. And you get to the foyer, and you don't see anybody there. And you say, well, I guess the place is empty. <laughs> you know, just, it somebody, doesn't make any sense. Somebody had to build the mansion, and that, that person who built the mansion would be a person, right? But we, and we, would, we have some idea of how the person got, like, you know, someone got there. He probably took a car. I don't know. You looked for the car. We have no clue how life, we don't have any idea. There are going to be a lot of people well, we in the comments. But we do know. How? how? Well, we, you, you and I, we all know how, how life started. We man, don't know the exact... Man formed Adam out of clay? Right. We know God created it. I mean, yeah. that, that, that might seem like a shortcut, but we all know that. So I actually think, so when you introduce God into the equation, which of course you have, you, you can't take him out, um, a lot of uh, believers think that this is a challenge to their faith and it just doesn't make any sense. How can you have intelligent civilizations? Well, I, I actually think that, that when, you, when, you, when you factor in God, which again, you must... It, it makes the probability higher because you, then, then there's a purpose. There's a purpose element. Like, are the, are there's there aliens a, fallen? Well, I don't know that. But, well, but mu- mu- there's mustn't, a purpose, they, mustn't they not be fallen why? for Christianity? I don't know why. Sense? I don't know no. the answer to that, but all I know is that there's no. a purpose why? for all these why? billions why? of why? galaxies. Well, here, here's why. Because the Christian idea is that there's a Godhead. It's Trinity, Father, Son, and the lo- bond of love between the Father and Son, right. which is the Holy Spirit. The Son saves mankind by taking on human nature and dies on the cross and is resurrected three days later, right? Ascends up into heaven, seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. Is he, all, is he like, is he, so he's fully human and fully God and also fully well, Martian? We don't, even know, we don't even know whether Martians are, are exactly yeah, like I, us or not. The main thing are, is I'm, are they I'm, human? I, 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 I really want to... know any of this. Well, I want to, no, I'm trying to filibuster Ben because I know he has a good argument. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want him to it's jump in. not that great, in. I mean. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay, so here's my not that great argument. So I agree with what you are saying, and it's a burden of proof question, obviously, is the burden of proof on the people who are trying to provide the idea that aliens exist, or is the burden of proof on the people who are saying that aliens don't exist? But that doesn't change the balance of the evidence, which is that we have no idea, right? And so we're all saying the same thing. We have no idea. Do aliens exist or do aliens not exist? What I think is that the likelihood that aliens not only exist, but have been floating around the planet in what seem to be bizarrely bird-like shapes and also are behaving in ways that seem to Here we go. conflate with and, and also seem to conflate with optical illusions that we have seen before suggests to me that because we, human beings have a very long time of when have you ever seen a, a tic tac bird? Tell me that. 
And and, and they're kind of far away from then I ask. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it could be very far away. That doesn't look like amazing pixelation. It's not like right up on it. Like, like, I don't know, but it doesn't seem to me that the most plausible explanation for that. Four people saw the Tic Tac. But this but this but this reminds me me from far away. It might look like a Tic Tac. I mean, like just because things refract off surfaces of clouds differently. Can, can I Like, David Blaine also isn't cutting coins out of his arm. Like, the, the, like, whoa, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, the skepticism. It's illusion, Michael. Here's my position on it. The burden of proof is on people who want to say that there are yes. aliens, yes. not on people who say that there aren't. You never. The burden of proof is never on a person who is maintaining the status quo or who is maintaining what we know. Oh, I don't the idea, that. The idea <laughs> I don't of aliens, yeah. The idea of aliens is a novel concept rooted in fiction. The fact that this is even in our minds is a possibility. When we see something moving across that screen, the only reason we even ask ourselves, is that extraterrestrial life? 200 years ago, that would no one would have, you could have seen it in the sky and your thought wouldn't have been, is that extraterrestrial life? Because that idea had not been broadly introduced into the American psyche. We have a frame of reference now, largely programmed in us by fiction, that causes us to see certain things and judge them according to that frame of reference. What is the Tic Tac? I don't know. What I know is that uh, our government is testing technology decades before we know about that technology. The first time we ever saw an F-117 stealth fighter, it was almost 20 years old before Americans even knew that that existed. It had been not only in existence, it had been flying around our country nonstop. There's a reason that the pilots you're referring to keep seeing these things in restricted airspace. Why unrestricted airspace? Yeah. Why is that airspace restricted? Because that's where we test things. That's where our government goes to test things. Yeah. Also, quite a we, we keep trying to figure out what is the thing, but there are so many examples of, of, you can't paint with a broad brush. Some of it may not even exist. You may be looking at something on one of these cameras, and that something is nothing. It's not a goose. It's not a uh, tic-tac bird that do exist. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, not, it's not a weather balloon. It's literally a nothing because these airplanes, their sensory mechanisms are programmatic. They're so software driven now and we're constantly updating and refining that software. It could literally be tracking something that doesn't even exist because of an update that happened to the firmware. It could be foreign governments hacking our systems to show us things that aren't there. It could be foreign governments testing technology. I think that's actually unlikely. I think it's far more likely there would be us testing technology. It could be hackers uh, in some basement in Tuscaloosa hacking our equipment. But of all those theories, the least likely the is, least that, it is, likely is no, that it is from another planet. Yeah, no, the reason I don't agree with because it. Because we know all those other things no, exist. You know, this, is like, this is like ghosts. You know, whenever I have more than 10 people in a room, I always ask, has anybody seen a ghost? Always, always, never fails. Somebody has seen a ghost. Some sane, rational person yeah, yeah, has had an experience this inex- all, it's a inexplicable. weird dinner question. It's, it's not. But you, it's been, been, you do get a yes answer. Because it's been true through history. It's been true through history. The reason we don't believe in ghosts is because we don't believe in ghosts. That doesn't mean that the uh, burden of proof is on somebody who does believe in ghosts. I mean, more people have seen ghosts through history, uh, you know, than yeah. than than have seen Brazil. I mean, so there's plenty of reason to believe in ghosts. You know, I, I, and I think the same thing is true here. The fiction that you're talking about is extrapolative fiction. It's, it's people extrapolating from life on Earth to life on other planets. That's not illogical. That's Do you not like th- what? Do you believe in ghosts? I, I'm, I'm actually unsure. What I believe. But, but let's hold I on. Mean, all I can say, you, all I can say as is, long as we're going here, we're going to go full you, you, Art Bell but, here. But I don't want to get <laughs> off on ghosts. You can't say that what I just said, which is that the least likely of all of those options is that it's extraterrestrial life. 
You can't say that I'm wrong about that. Of course, the least likely explanation is that it's extraterrestrial. No, I, I, I think, I think, definitionally, not just by a little. It's not five percent less likely <laughs> that it's a software glitch than that it's extraterrestrial life. It's not even a hundred percent less likely that it's a software glitch than extraterrestrial life. Definitionally, no, because, what I'm saying is true. Because what 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 I am Knowles, saying, what Knowles is saying, true. no, what Knowles is saying about probability is is only a half truth, right? It's it's true. I only, but it could be, only that's deal. all I do. <laughs> <laughs> based on what you're saying right now, based on what you're saying right now, it could be a time machine. What? Well, it's and it it's could at be. least equally. I would say it's even more likely that it's a time machine. No, because, no, I don't agree with that. But, but, but it's but, at least as but, likely but, but, that it's a time machine. Actually, no, the thing is, it's far more likely that it's a time The thing that Knowles is saying about probability is right in the sense that we have no idea. We have no idea how to calculate the probability. And that's why we need to know. That's what I'm saying. But, you, you but can't talk about No, there is a theory. No, this is not true. There is a theory under which it's probable that there's life This is not true. The probability of seeing something and not understanding what it is, every human has that happen all oh, the that, time. That, the theory yeah. that a software glitch happens in no, military hardware that's being updated happens all the time. It is far more likely, and I'm saying you can't paint with a broad brush about this. I'm not even saying there aren't aliens. I'm not saying we didn't see an alien. If we saw an alien, it's one single instance of these things. This is another thing. When we talk about are they aliens, every one of them's different. If yeah. we had... 50 pilots all the time, and they were all seeing something that looked exactly the same. Well, know. they said they can, said can I just, can I just say one thing? Can I just say one thing? I, I, I don't, I'm not saying the alien is the most likely explanation. Sure. For example, there could be civilizations under the ocean, and that, that, that <laughs> yes. said, you make a good incredible. point. But, but, but hold on a second. That is I, at least as likely. It's, it's or the, more, that's actually yeah, more, likely. more likely. The alien is not the most likely. I also don't think it's the, likely. it's not necessarily the least we know likely. Life here. We have, we have, like you said, we have to look at each individual case. So the Tic Tac, for example. I would say that the alien is more likely than the seagull, okay? Because I have never seen a seagull that can go the, the, the speed of sound and that doesn't have wings. Um, never and been to I, Atlantic I, City. Right? <laughs> you go to Atlantic City. So I, I would say that, so like I would put it above some other options. I, I do think it's not the most likely, but it is a, it's a plausible, here's what I would say. It's a plausible explanation and it's more plausible. It should be judged more plausible today than we would have 50 years ago, given that the that evidence has... any reason to say that it's a plausible explanation. You know, you... It is certainly, because definitionally it is true, that it is possible. It is a thing that could be. But Occam's razor tells us that the vast majority, the, the most likely, it is far more likely that it is something known than that it is something unknown. But this, no, that's, that's the not knowing. things living in... The, the thing about not lock, knowing... No, I mean, but the thing about not knowing is that you really don't know. I, just to go yeah. back to Knowles' point about probability. Don't know no, wait, probable. wait, just let's go back to Knowles' point about probability. It, it is genuinely true that we don't know how life began and we don't know how special it is on Earth. And any, so we have no way of calculating the probability. But if you start with a theory that things happen physically basically the same way, then it's very probable that there's life on other planets. It's also probable that some of it is more advanced than ours. And and it could be here. Be because we don't know, we literally don't know. We don't yeah, know yeah. how probable. But, well, hold on. But what is the probability? We don't know how hold probably. On. When you say yeah, it's yeah. not probable. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, here's, here's how you could tell. Yes, okay. because we've what all, because we've what all had software malfunctions and we haven't right. all interacted with aliens. Correct. What is the probability that birds exist? 100%. 100%. What is the probability uh, that software I think they're all replaced by 100%. drones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? I, mean, these are, I mean, there's some people who don't believe the birds exist. Right. Yeah. Um, all I can no, say is well, let's, let's use the less controversial ones. What, what is the probability that chemtrails and lizard people exist? That's 100%. That's 100%. And they're the frogs. Yeah, they're no, the frogs. No. They literally they actually is, are This is the thing. Is it possible <laughs> that there are aliens? I, I doubt 
I think it is possible. I think it is incredibly unlikely. I base this on the yeah. fact that we've picked up no radio signals from space. I base this on the possibility that we don't have anything that the best thing that anybody can come up with to tell me that aliens did. Aliens with so much sophistication that they were able to traverse uh, interstellar space is that they came here a long time ago and stacked rocks on top of rocks in the Sahara. Like, that's crazy. If we had opened Pharaoh's tomb and it had been air conditioned, I would have gone, you know, <laughs> there, there is a real possibility that somebody else built this besides slaves in Egypt a yeah. thousand years ago. The very fact that we don't commonly encounter aliens and we do commonly encounter myriad other things that this could be means that the most likely answer to every one of these individual things no, is that it has So you're actually, saying there's a chance. <laughs> That's I'm my whole argument, really. I'm, I'm also know. saying, Drew, that it's far more likely that you'll die of a heart attack than that you'll be killed by an alien. It's, you can't say it, that's it, not true. It's, it's far more common that I will have a heart attack. But, but the thing is, if I'm killed by an alien, then that, that's a, a thing, right? All, all I'm saying is we have no way of calculating the probability. No, but you do. Yeah. I mean, the, you it's, do. It's, it's the same question you, as ghosts. You, you okay, can say, okay, no wait. hard evidence that ghosts exist. Right. Okay. So if if, if suddenly what, what you're a creek and a door wait, shut wait. in your house, what, what does that even what is the mean? probability? Isn't the probability tied to the number of of alien civilizations in the universe? No. Don't you need to no, know it that? No, you don't. Well, because if you there are zero, then <laughs> if it's zero, then that would be an answer. Right. But we'll never know if right. it's zero. But okay. if there are all, above zero, any number above zero actually doesn't factor into our equation at all. I guess I, I don't. I don't it see actually how doesn't that factor be. into our equation because there's when you're when you're in a when you're in a 747 and you look out the window. And you see a 737 going by. Is it an alien spacecraft? I mean, it damn well could be. I once they thought could, it was. They could yeah, mimic. I saw a little They could have technology that makes them mimic the look of our technology. But of course, while that is possible, it is the least likely of all the possible. It's more likely that you didn't see anything than that the 737 that you probably saw is an alien spacecraft. But when you say there's no hard evidence that, that ghosts exist, all those people, the sane, rational people who have had really convincing experiences, why isn't that evidence? Yeah, I think because lots of people have experiences of things that don't happen all the time. That's true, but I, actually, I don't think aliens and ghosts. Let me are, introduce are you to a discussion about no, systemic I'm, I'm racism. I'm, I'm my friend. not talking <laughs> about aliens <laughs> and ghosts being related. I'm talking about the probability of things yeah. being true and how, yeah. how dip, what you need to calculate those. But you're not asking look, what the probability look, that say, aliens exist is. You you're can, asking me what the probability that things being observed on gun cameras by American pilots are aliens. There's also ways. That's a different. There is just on the answer a bunch of probabilistic questions. Reductive. What? No, no, it isn't because it's 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 because even if there were to be alien civilizations. You then have to multiply that by the probability that those alien civilizations are sophisticated enough uh, to yeah. build technological spacecraft. Multiply by the probability that millions of years ago, literally millions of years ago, they launched these spacecraft to reach not necessarily. I mean, but we don't know. Have, we don't know what. what well, if they, they if you believe that the laws of physics hold, they're not traveling faster than the speed of light. But the, we, the, they could have a wormhole. Only the laws of physics we know. They could have a wormhole. Okay. We're, no, we're, no, we're just that's writing. a thing. You know, that's, that's, have you guys? Never I also seen watched Interstellar. Okay, yeah. and it was cool, but like. The, the probability that things are traveling through wormholes to the United well, States. I know, but, but to Drew's point, to Drew's point here, there there is a far greater likelihood. <laughs> we, like, how a, Trump got elected, there, guys. There is a far greater likelihood that the ghost of Donald Trump will run in 2024. No, there is a far greater <laughs> likelihood that ghosts exist because we know people exist. We know we're fairly certain that souls exist. We're, uh, we're fairly certain, at least I am, that angels and demons exist. So we're like we can sort of extrapolate from our own understanding of, of these things. But I don't know that E.T. exists, goodness gracious. And I, that's why I think it's And like we're not talking about the probability of whether or not life exists. You are a little bit, and yeah. I like your argument. Yeah. But I'm not actually talking about the probability yeah. that yeah. aliens exist. Yeah. I'm talking about the probability that when we see something on radar in an F-18, 
Yeah, when a pilot says, I saw this thing happen and it moved up in a way that I've never seen before, and he's, he's obviously not crazy. Maybe he is crazy, but we don't know that. I mean, and it, and it came up in front of me and then it vanished. I don't know. Maybe maybe he's seen a an illusion, but wouldn't... The other day I played three card Monty with a guy and the dude totally made me believe. Let <laughs> 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 me ask a serious question. Can I ask a serious question? So would you agree that... We would all agree, if we know that there's no aliens out there in the universe, then the probability is zero for any of these yes. encounters. If we knew that, let's say, there was one uh, intelligent civilization per galaxy, that still makes 100 billion civilizations, but the chances of crossing a galaxy is very slow, very slim. But if we knew, for example, that there was an intelligent civilization in 20 of the 30 nearest stars to us, yeah. would you say that that makes the probability more likely that... that one of these unexplained situations is yes, alien in order. But by, but by so fine a margin that it's like saying that buying two lottery tickets makes you more likely mm. to win the lottery than buying one. Yeah. It is true, as an absolute statement of fact, that you have twice as much of a chance of winning yeah. the lottery if you buy two tickets. But it is not true by any statistical actual reckoning. You are still overwhelmingly not going to win the lottery. Doesn't mean you won't overwhelmingly not going to win the lottery. Your your odds have changed only by the most minute of margin. If I knew for a fact that there were aliens, if we had even heard radio transmissions from aliens, even Elon Musk says there's something wrong that the universe is so quiet. He believe, he obviously believes in aliens. He says he thinks that there's something that happens that actually destroys civilizations before they can become... Fermi's paradox, I think it's called. Yeah. Before they can become interstellar travelers, or we would have been aware of them long before we saw them on a gun cam because we're listening, we're looking, we observe, we watch the sky. Obviously, the things aren't invisible if our pilots are seeing them. In fact, in a funny way, our, our we're, ability to we're see capable, them actually... Yeah, we're capable of making aircraft that can't be seen by these same sensors yeah. that apparently the aliens who can travel interstellar space aren't capable of. So how, but how do you explain... It's more likely that America, and I don't think this is what it is either, but it's more likely that we're testing yeah. some sort of drone vehicle that can actually become invisible, that can refract light and cloak itself. I know that's more possible because yeah, it's yeah. possible and there are humans and we're making but things can, all the yeah, time. Yeah. Uh, can we just use, I just want to go back to the TikTok. For, TikTok. Not TikTok. I want to go uh, to TikTok. The, the aliens no. might be on TikTok for sure. <laughs> <laughs> just Let's use the TikTok example because yeah. we have their four eyewitnesses up close. They, they, they observed it for five minutes. Plus we have radar data. Plus we have video of all this same thing. That's yep. really compelling evidence that at least, so we know Something was observed. Right. It was not a it was not a glitch or anything. It was there was a real thing that was there that they saw. Um, so that is guess, likely, although still not completely. So what is what is uh, yeah. what 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 are your theories on what that thing was? Well, I wouldn't begin to know what it was. As I said, they could have seen uh, it's literally called an unidentified flying it, object. There yeah. are no, unidentified I'm, flying objects. This is where we agree. I agree with you completely about this. I have no idea what it but was. But the mo but there are far <laughs> more likely scenarios than that it is extraterrestrial life, which we don't even know exists. Far more likely that these pilots observed some man-made, because we know there are men and they make things, craft operating in restricted zones where we know we test those kinds of crafts, hypersonic missiles that move at speeds we've never seen, drones that are capable of breaking uh, Gs that would have killed humans, unpiloted vehicles can do things that piloted vehicles never could because piloted vehicles kill people if they make certain hygiene maneuvers, testing with speed, testing with shapes, testing with uh, automated control, maybe even testing with... Um, uh, Electronic hacking, where once we are observed, we're able to send false data to, to the radar of our enemy to tell them what we're observing. I'm saying that 
any of those things are possible and more likely than what was observed was a flying tic-tac UFO, uh, flying tic-tac full of aliens. Um, although I will grant you that like winning the lottery, it is, there is a numeric possibility that they observed extraterrestrial life. But I will also say that it is no more likely that what they observed is an alien than that one of us is an alien. It's no more likely that what they observed is an alien than that there are invisible aliens standing over our shoulders documenting this conversation to figure out how much more, how much we know. Like, or whether they can subscribe. Sure. Or whether or not they can. <laughs> yeah, was most importantly. <laughs> you know, it's also, we, we keep forgetting the, the communications element of this. Yeah. So we, we've been talking now for, for our entire lives about how messaging is not accidental. Generally speaking, there are strategies to communication, especially when it's coming from the government. Does no one think it's like a little bit weird that the government and the mainstream media, which is in cahoots with the federal government, is just like all pushing this one story right now? Is that not? Is there so what you're saying? It's like a distraction, or it's a yeah, possible, very possibly enough. That's more. I, think, I don't know if that's true, but it's more likely than that it's... <laughs> I, yes. I find it very unlikely the government would use all this all of a sudden decide to use well, UFOs you know what, as a side. You know what? The only reason I mention it right now is because I realized we've come to, you know, almost the end of the show, and I haven't yet once plugged my book, which is about language. <laughs> it's called Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds. There we go. There's the bell. Okay. I just wanted to make sure we got at least one in during the... <laughs> Yeah. You know. yeah, but I also think it's possibly true. I also think that you know we're just saying the government does this and they, they probably control the buy your book. Usually, right. when happens, <laughs> there is very quickly a bunch of confirmation that the thing has happened. So, say for example that you're a Native American living, you know, in America before the settlers arrive, and suddenly you see a boat on the water. You've never seen a boat on the water before, right? This is a crazy thing. What is this thing? Sail. So you go and you tell all your friends, and your friends are like, "That's crazy. That doesn't exist. Nobody's ever had anything like yeah. that." Okay, and then the next day, the boat arrives on the shore and a bunch of settlers get off and they're like, hey, now you've had some more confirmation. Okay, if the boat just went away, sure, it could have been a boat, but like usually that's not how things go. Usually within a fairly short period of time, and we've been talking about, as you say, these UFOs for like, what, 50 years, 60 years at this point? Yeah, they didn't it, go away. They're here, Ben. They're where, is the, where is the cascade <laughs> that, that confirms your belief that they are here? Well, we're getting the cascade of information right you now. Just, you just ruined your own argument. No, what is the cascade? Where is the cascade? You're like, you're like, you're like, you're like the Native Americans going, there's no ship out there. What is a likelihood? No, because eventually the ships from other lands. The settlers get off and then proceed to destroy the place. What's the worst they can do? Well, I'll grant you this. If in 10 minutes they get off the pill and then they get pregnant and if in 10 minutes they get off the pill and they start lecturing to us about communal anarchism, then then I will fully admit that the aliens are going to be in trouble when they come. Just solving this as anybody. I I mean, the truth are in trouble with everyone. I may as well get early on the bandwagon. Everyone hates us anyway. May as well get on board with other civilizations, you know. I, for one, welcome our new Tic Tac. (laughs) Thank you for tuning in. As always, we're very happy to have you join us, and we'd like to invite you to become a member to enjoy the full Daily Wire experience. Head over to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Use promo code VIP for 20% off and the chance to get a free trip to come meet Candace herself and whichever of the rest of us happen to be here (laughs) on that day. Don't miss out. This is the last week to enter the sweepstakes. Thanks for joining us tonight. We will see you next time, assuming that we haven't been probed. (laughs) (laughs) Daily Wire Backstage is produced by Mathis Glover. Executive producer is me, Jeremy Boring. 
Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Our production manager is Pavel Wadowski. Studio and equipment management is by Patrick Kennedy. And broadcast engineering is by Mark Herman. Editing is by Jim Nickel. Audio is mixed by Mike Horamina. And our audio assistant is Israel McFarland. Playback is operated by McKenna Waters. Hair and makeup by Nika Geneva. Daily Wire Backstage is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021.